turn back with me to Judges chapter 7, if you would. As God had purposed and promised, Israel had defeated all the nations in the land of Canaan, every one. And they took the Canaanites' cities and villages to be their own, but because of their sin, as we've seen so many times, their idolatry, their disobedience, they now find themselves in hidden caverns and caves as their cities and the villages that God had given them lay empty and desolate. Why? Because the Midianites, like locusts, that's what they're compared to in both chapter 7 and 8, came at harvest time and devoured everything that Israel had grown. Now, I don't know if you put out a garden. I'm, I haven't, but those of you that do know it's a lot of work. And Can you imagine putting out a garden, garden and your neighbor or someone in, your, in the city comes and just takes everything out of it, hauls it off? That would... And you're especially if you're depending on sustenance from that garden. God's chosen nation is growing and tending gardens in the guise of night to have just enough to eat and survive. It ought not be, but it's their own fault. They have no one to blame but themselves. So the Israelites, as their pattern is, they begin to cry unto the Lord and an angel of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Himself, came to a man named Gideon and he said that he would smite this divine enemy as one man. You know, I got to thinking about that. What a picture that is of the man, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the sacrifice of himself uh, delivered all the chosen of God from their sin by one man. Gideon shines among the heroes of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and to prove that Israel's salvation and ours for that matter is of the Lord. God makes it so that none can question the certainty of salvation being solely and completely of the Lord Jesus Christ in by and through Him. God Almighty reduced as we saw last study, Gideon's army from 32,000 down to 300. You know, uh, that's a reduction of 99.1%. Uh, if, can you imagine your paycheck or your retirement benefits or your Social Security being reduced 99%? That puts it uh, into some perspective here. But it's with these 300 men, and that's what is so amazing about our God, is with 300 men that God proves that five of His chosen can chase a hundred, and a hundred of them can put 10,000 to flight, and so that Israel's enemies would fall before them by the sword, according to Leviticus 26.8. And as we'll see tonight, it'll be by their own swords. And it'll be by their own swords because of Gideon's sword, which is the sword of the Lord. Only a nation with God doing their fighting can prevail against such odds as this. And what we need to remember is God is not bound by man's odds. 
God is merciful to His people. The best of men are men at best. And Gideon is insecure. And he's fearful with these odds. So would you and I be. God had promised him and Israel certain victory. Gideon didn't doubt God's ability. Gideon doubted his own ability. And that's why we can never look to ourselves. God was so merciful and patient with Gideon and just as He is with us. Aren't you glad the Lord is long-suffering and patient with you? God gives Gideon a sign this time without Gideon even asking for it. Our Lord's so gracious. He's so patient and merciful with us. Now, in verse 10, God says, but if thou fear to go down, to go down and fight this 125,000, I think last week I said 100,000, but it's actually 125,000. He said, If thou fear to go down, go thou with full raw, thy servant, down to the host, down to the army of the Midian, sneak into their camp, and thou shalt hear what they say, and afterwards shall thine hands be strengthened to go down into the host. Then when he, Gideon, down with Full, full raw, his servant, unto the house of the armed men that were in the host. Now the Lord tells Gideon here to sneak into the camp of the enemy where he overhears a Midianite soldier who had a dream. Tell a fellow soldier about that dream. <laughs> Verse 12, And the Midianites and the Malachites and all the children of the east lay along the valley like grasshoppers, like locusts, for multitude, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seaside for multitude. And when Gideon was come, behold, there was a man that told a dream unto his fellow and said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and lo, a cake of barley bread tumbled into the host of Midian and came into a tent and smote it that it fell and overturned it that the tent lay along. And his fellow Soldier answered and said, This is nothing else save the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel, for unto his hand hath God delivered Midian and all the host. Now there's a spiritual picture found in this dream that this Midianite had. Uh, barley was uh, a poor man's food. Uh, generally it was used to feed dogs and cattle. But when it was eaten by men, it was an indication of extreme poverty. And God's people are poor sinners, aren't we? We're poor mercy beggars. Barley cakes were beaten into fine meal and then pressed out very thin, kind of like a tortilla or pizza crust. And it was done so that it could be easily cooked on heated rocks. And these barley cakes, they weren't puffy loaves of bread like I like. <laughs> uh, they were fat, flat, excuse me, and thin. And what a picture they are of sinners who have been made to see themselves. That's how we see ourselves, isn't it? We're nothing. We have nothing. We can do nothing. Just flat, thin, insignificant, less than the least sinners that we are. Now in this man's dream... Where the barley cake landed is very significant. It landed in the tent 
of the host. And that's referring to the general of the army, and more than likely, it's speaking of the prince of Midian, and it does so in destruction. And the dream was interpreted to understand that these poor barley-eating Israelites, thin and insignificant as they are, would be the Midianites' demise. And this barley bread, low and insignificant, which also pictured Christ as a man, He humbled Himself. He became a servant. God did. He must in order to save sin. It was believed by them to be the sword of Gideon and it meant that Israel was going to win this battle before it was ever fought. And what a picture this is of the Word of God. You see, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing of sunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Gospel is a clear declaration of the chosen sinner's victory. And any effort by the enemy of God is absolutely futile. And it will be soon cut off. God cannot be defeated. If God be for us, who can be against us? It's God that fights our battles for us. We should never worry what man can do to us with God as our, the captain of our salvation. The sword of the Lord, the Word of God, is all God's people need. I wish we could fully grasp that. Poor and weak as we are in our weaknesses, we're made strong. It's the Lord that fights our battles and wins our wars. Matter of fact, it's the Lord who has because it's a finished work. It's accomplished. And all we have to do is rest. Verse 15, And it was so when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and the interpretation thereof that he worshipped. And he returned into the host of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord hath delivered into your hand the host of Midian. You see, when Gideon heard these things, he was ready to go to battle. He was encouraged to believe what the Lord had promised. And that's what, uh, that's what the preaching of the Gospel does for enlightened sinners. It encourages them to believe all that God has promised in this book. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We meet together. You know, three times a week if you count twice on Sunday. And we do so to hear again what Christ has done for sinners. And faith is in the heart from hearing these encouraging words of what the Lord has done. Um, also in these things, we see the sovereign power and providence of God. I couldn't help but to think about that again as I read those verses that we just looked at. God controls all things. He controls all men. He controls all events. He does as He will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. You know what? That's everywhere. <laughs> that covers it all. Uh, whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He. In heaven, earth, and deep places, hell. <laughs> no place that God is not in control. Shouldn't that bring us great comfort? God does as He wills. Whatsoever the Lord pleased, that did He. I love those, those three words. That did He. Now I want you to think about this. God gives a worshiper of Baal a dream. 
came from God. And he awakens to tell another soldier about this dream. And God does all this in absolute perfect timing. The Lord always has perfect timing. Never been late, never been early. Always been right on time. At the exact time, Gideon sneaks into an army of 120,000 men. And he hears this one man's dream told. What are the chances of that? Well, God doesn't do anything by chance. God does everything in and on purpose. This was an unsolicited sign from the Lord. You know, what, what did Gideon do? Verse 15 tells us that he worshiped. <laughs> he worshiped the Lord and then returned. He didn't go back and then worship. He worshiped the Lord right then and there. When God reveals the gospel to his people, we react the same way. We worship Him right then and there. You see, there's nothing that comes our way by accident. With our sovereign God, there's no such thing as luck. Gideon didn't, did not say to the 300, Arise and let us see if we can do this. He said, Arise for the Lord hath already has delivered Midian and all the hosts. <laughs> they had not fought the battle yet. Doesn't matter. God's already delivered them. If He, if he promised He'd do it, He's going to do it. It's as good as done. It's as good as done. The work of our Lord Jesus is finished. There's nothing for us to do but rest. I love to think about that. I love to rest. Now, in verse 16, we have Gideon's plan of attack. Remember, 300 men against 120, 125,000. What brilliant strategy does Gideon come up with? Well, trusting in God is the only strategy that a child of God needs. Look at verse 16. And he divided the 300 men into three companies. That's 100 each. And he put a trumpet in every man's hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And he said unto them, Look on me, and do likewise. And behold, when I come to the outside of the camp, it shall be that as I do, so shall ye do. And when I blow with a trumpet, I and all that are with me, then blow ye the trumpets also on every side of all the camp, and say, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. So Gideon and the hundred men that were with him came into the outside of the camp in the beginning of the middle watch. And they had but newly set the watch and they blew the trumpets and break the pitchers that were in their hands. Now here Gideon gives his soldiers their marching orders. And remember, in the army of God, not many wise men are chosen, not many... Mighty men are chosen, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. <laughs> and He's chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. The instruments and weapons of war that God chose, well, they don't make any sense to us by nature. A trumpet? Uh, a clay pot? And uh, a lamp inside of it? going to go out with 300 
and defeat 120 plus thousand? You know, in the victory of Jericho, it was just marching and a blow of the trumpet and uh, um, a shout that brought the mighty walls of Jericho down. You remember in Judges chapter 3, it was an ox gold of Shamgar that slew 600 Philistines. It was just a plow spade with a uh, blade on the end of it. Here God has 300 soldiers to put a trumpet in their right hand and a clay vessel in their left hand with a lamp in it. And when Gideon gave the signal, they were to blow the trumpets and break the clay pitchers and expose the light within. That's the plan. That's the strategy. And again, what a picture. God, through the blowing of the gospel trumpet, uses clay pots to expose men's sin and God's judgment by them, on them, by the light of the gospel. And we'll talk more about that in a moment. And you, and, and you know, I was thinking about it, you know there was just some young soldier there in that 300 men and those 300 men that thought, you want us to do what? How are we going to win this war that way? We're outnumbered 333 to 1 already, and you want us to blow a trumpet and smash clay pots and pitchers and shine a lamp in the face of 125,000 fighting men. Well, may we always remember that there's not anything too hard for the Lord. The Lord is our sword. The Lord is our light. The Lord is our strength and shield. The Lord is our rock and fortress. The Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. We shall not lack. The Lord is our defense. The Lord is our refuge. The Lord is our portion. The Lord can do anything and everything. There's nothing too hard for Him. Nothing. Nothing means nothing. Everything means everything. Gideon divides these 300 men into three groups. He puts a trumpet in each hand with empty pitchers and lamps within the pitchers. And this is the middle watch. This is taking place in the dead of night. In the darkness of night. Look at verse 20. And the three companies blow the trumpets and break the pitchers and held the lamps in their left hands and the trumpets in their right hands to blow with them. And they cried, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon. And they stood up, every man in his place, round about the camp, and all the host ran and cried and fled. And the three hundred blew the trumpets, and the Lord set every man's sword against his fellow, even throughout all the host. And the host fled to Beth Shittle and Zerarath and to the border of Abel Meholah unto Tabith. The Midianites wake up to the sound of these trumpets and the crashing of these pots. It sounded like, pardon my French, all hell had broken loose. Being woken out of sleep and in the dark, they're disoriented and all they can see is these lights surrounding them. And they're afraid. Doesn't matter how many of them they are, each man individually is afraid. So you've got 125,000 men afraid. And when the Israelites cried out, This is the sword of the Lord, this is the sword of Gideon, well, they were even more terrified. 
And I'm certain that that Midianite soldier's dream and the interpretation had already traveled and spread throughout the Midianites' camp. We're not told that, but I'm sure the Lord saw to that. So in their confusion and in their fear, the Midianites begin to flee and run into each other and not knowing who's friend or foe. In the dead of night, they begin to hack each other up to pieces and slaughter themselves. Israel doesn't even have a sword. They're killing themselves. It's then in verse 24 that Gideon sends messengers throughout all Mount Ephraim saying, come down against the Midianites and take before them the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. And then all the men of Ephraim gathered themselves together and took the waters unto Bethbara and Jordan. We've all heard that saying in Western movies, head them off at the pass. Well, that's what they're doing here. They're heading them off at the pass. That's what Gideon is saying. He sends a message to the men of Ephraim and saying, we flushed them your your way. You take care of them. And look what happened. I ask you again, is anything too hard for our Lord? Verse 25, and they took two princes of the Midianites, excuse me, Oreb and Zeb, and they slew Oreb upon the rock Oreb, and Zeb they slew at the winepress of Zeb, and pursued Midian, and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon on the other side of Jordan. You see, friends, our deliverance is not by our might not by our power, but by God's Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. The Lord promised this victory and He accomplished it by sending a dream to one man in the tribe of Midian. The weapons God used was trumpets, empty pitchers, lamps and torches, with one single phrase to be shouted. And with 300 men, God calls them to put tens of thousands to flight. You just read it. Again, we're reminded that God's thoughts are not our thoughts. And our ways are not God's ways, are they? We've been promised the victory and the victory's ours. Isn't that good news? We don't have to lift a sword. This victory is given by Christ, the captain of our salvation. He cannot fail. He cannot fail. He has the wisdom of God and He has the power over all flesh has been given to Him. Gideon told the 300 Israelites in verse 17, He said, look on me. Our Lord Jesus says the same. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Gideon said, as I do, so shall ye do. Our Lord never says, do as I say and not what I do. That's what my mother used to say to me a lot. Don't do as I do, you do as I say. And I had better. Our Lord says, do what I do. (laughs) 
John 13, 15, for I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Speaking of that good Samaritan, the Lord asked, which of the three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And the Lord Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. Do as I do. He's our great example. Our Lord carried no weapon but the sword of truth, the Word of God. Yet none could question Him or stay His hand. With Him as our leader, the battle is won and so is the victory. We don't come up with our own inventions and then simply, uh, we, we just simply follow the Lord Jesus as He defeats our enemies for us. And He does so by His Word, the sword of the Spirit. That's how He defeated Satan when he was tempted of Satan. It is written, he said. It is written. It's written. We blow the trumpet as he did while he was on earth. The trumpet was used to call to war, but the trumpet was used to come to the feast. And the trumpet was used to announce the day of atonement. And the trumpet was used at the start of the jubilee. Our call is not effectual, but His certainly is. And we, through the preaching of the Gospel, the blowing of the Gospel trumpet, we call upon men and women, sinners, to believe on Christ and repent of their sin. He won the war. He made the atonement. He is our jubilee. Jesus Christ is the believer's torch. He is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Psalm 119.105 That's what this pictures. Gideon and the 300 men entered that night into darkness, but the light of Christ shined forth, the light of life for His people. It was the enemy that was destroyed. We're not told that any in Israel was lost. And none will be. None. Not one shall perish. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. It's His light that God commands to shine in the heart of men and women to reveal the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And Christ was and is the light. And His light is what? It's the life of men and women. It's the life of sinners. We preach Christ the light so that sinners through Him might be saved. John 1.7 And this is the condemnation that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth, now listen, he that doeth truth cometh to the light that his deeds may be manifest that they're wrought in God. You know what that means? That means that the Lord did it. Salvations of the Lord. That's good news. These torches, lamps, lights are hidden in earthen vessels in clay pots. The clay pots of Israel picture and typify the church of God. They're insignificant pieces of clay formed as the sovereign potter is pleased to form while He's able to uh, make one a vessel of honor and one a, a vessel of dishonor. Mm -hmm. 
But it said, it's by His hand. Why, He marred the clay that was in His hand and He made the other a beautiful vessel unto honor. The vessel has no glory. They're just vessels. Just earthen pots. Base, weak, empty. But, some are full of light. (laughs) Oh my, they're broken pots that become the light of the world. Isn't that something? A city set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it may give light unto all that are in the house. Beloved, the word of salvation that saves is, this is the sword of the Lord of Gideon. (laughs) This is Christ's title earned by His death. Our Gospel is not a belief of the doctrines of theology. I was talking to Brother Paul this week when I stopped by to visit for a while and we were talking about that. I said, there'll be a lot of Calvinists in hell, Brother Paul. He said, I know it. I know it. Salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is in Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Salvation is all about a person, not about the doctrine And you can believe in election and you can believe in predestination and you can wind up in hell. But if you're trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be just fine. He's the one thing needful. To the world, it's foolishness. To the religious world, it's a stumbling block. Well, there's got to be more to it than that. How many times have you heard that? It can't be that simple. Got to be more to it than that. I got to do something. What good thing must I do to be saved? But to them that are called, both Jew and Greek, Christ and Him crucified, it's the power and the wisdom of God. Can you imagine years later when... These 300 men told their grandchildren about this. Now, how did, Grandpa, how did y'all defeat those 120,000 plus men? Well, we had, we had trumpets and we had clay pots with torches in them. And we went out and we blew the trumpet and, and we smashed the pots and we shined the lights in their faces. Got to be more to it than that. No. It pleased God that these broken dirt pots spill out light, which is the light of the Lord, the light of the Gospel, the light of Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And God is pleased by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. That's what preaching is. Just one clay pot shining out the light of Christ, who's the light of men. Is that not right, dear brothers and sisters? Aren't you glad the Lord revealed that to you? Our enemies flee as the people of God stand and rest in the perfect righteousness and finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't have to raise a sword. Don't have to raise a hand. The Lord's done it for us. The sword of Gideon is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good title for this. I think that's what I'll title it for whatever it's worth. The sword of Gideon is the Lord Jesus Christ.